1: It's time to play like a Jet
0: with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet, what does that mean? Mekhi Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Mackay Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Mackay Becton tape is for you.
1: Wilson going to the air, chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL
0: touchdown for Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got
1: it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones had just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. Hill hit immediately when he got the handoff, you know the q Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you.
3: From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet1. And it is time for part three of the July 4th weekend mega mailbag with our friend who is the co-founder over at U Stadium, Mr. Nick Spano. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from just Plain John. He says. Who would have won if the 1998 Jets played the 2009 or 2010 Jets in each of their primes? I'm going to go with the 98 Jets because both teams were really good, but the one big advantage that the 98 Jets had, and they had a really, really strong roster, plus better coaching, let's be honest, Bill Parcells over Rex Ryan, but... I'm taking 1998 Vinny Testaverdi all day every day over Mark Sanchez. Testaverde was in the zone in 1998. You could rely on him to do just about anything – Mark Sanchez was a guy that, let's be honest, even though in 2010 he was better than in 2009, he sort of had to be led. He was a guy that you were hoping just wouldn't make bad mistakes. And I know he played pretty well in the playoffs, but if you're asking me who to trust, 1998 Vinny or 2009 or 2010 Mark Sanchez with all other things being close to equal, give me Vinny Testaverdi. So I'm taking the 1998 Jets and also, of course, as I said, Bill Parcells and his coaching staff, over Rex and his coaching staff for sure.
4: Yeah, totally. Totally agree because you take the coach and the quarterback were much better than than the other part. Like, yeah, maybe the Jets' defense schematically was better with the Revis. Like, the 98 team didn't have a Revis, but, you know, they had good linebackers. Obviously, Jones, Mo Lewis, they had a good front. Aaron Glenn, yeah. But it, Glenn never was on a Revis level, but he was, he was good, no doubt. Um, so, I think... You know, also Keyshawn Corvette. I know it was Holmes and Braylon. You know, they were they were great, but I think, yeah, adding in Curtis Martin as like the, the kind of tiebreaker, if you will, um, to the offensive skill position. You know, I know Ladanian and Sean Green were quality, but they weren't Curtis Martin at that time. So, um, the the biggest the biggest kind of gap there is the Belichick over Rex and Vinny over Sanchez at the time. So I would definitely go ninety eight. They won twelve games and you know, had a home playoff games. This jet team was kind of a, you know, a wild card run that they went on.
3: Next question comes in from John jets. And he says, which position groups have the best and worst quality depth, from top to bottom. Also, he says, What do you need to see from LaFleur and Ulbrich to feel good about their growth and improvement from year one to year two as coordinators? So, position groups that have the best and worst depth from top to bottom. I would say that the offensive line has pretty good depth, especially compared to where it's been in the past. Where else would they have depth? They got decent depth at wide receiver. Believe it or not, at cornerback, they actually have pretty good depth now because they added two quality starters and they still have Hall and Eccles who show that they can start if needed and they now become backups. Michael Carter II was a pretty good slot guy. Defensive line, I would say, has pretty good depth. Yeah, those are the positions, I would say. Wide receivers got pretty good depth, offensive line, and believe it or not, cornerback, which is crazy to think about because last year their cornerbacks were so bad.
4: Yeah, I think also the tight end room is really deep now, too. you got two two guys who you signed to be starters, um, Ruckert, obviously. Then you have Yaboa, who got some snaps last year. He's probably a practice squad guy. Um, and the quarterback room. I mean, you have three guys who all played pretty well in, in limited snaps last year. Um, so, obviously, Mike White, Flacco behind Zach. So, you know, if... Wilson goes down, you have a guy who, Flacco, who, you know, he's not exciting, but he can at least hold the fort with a good roster. So it really, you know, they improved the depth, you know, not only starter-wise too, but they, they improved the depth of this team. Joe Douglas has done a really good job, and that's, that comes with having a million draft picks and um, being active in, in undrafted free agency. So I would say the two positions with, I don't know if, if John asked that, but the two positions where they lack the depth is that safety and linebacker. Um, you just don't really feel good about the starters or the, the depth there. So that's probably the two um, positions that they'll, maybe they'll look to add somebody by the start of the season.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Anatomy of an ad.
2: Subconsciously trigger emotions through music.
1: Perfect. Define an opportunity.
2: Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now.
1: Identify a problem.
2: Creating an audio ad is time consuming. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming.
0: Offer a solution.
2: Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
3: Here's a question that was inspired by Mike Davidson and Chris Maxwell, who are the hosts of the Total B She's Wrestling podcast, which I've appeared on a couple of times. I thought this was interesting. They were talking about guys from other sports that could go into pro wrestling. So, if you had to pick a current NFL player and a current jet to go into pro wrestling and be successful, who would you pick? And I'm going to start with the non jet, and I'm going to say Darius Leonard because he's got the size you need 6'2, 230. He's got the personality and the mic skills, and he's got the athleticism. So, I think he'd be perfect for pro wrestling. As far as Jets, you could go in a variety of different directions here. I tend to think that guys that are on the line would do very well, linebackers as well. Sauce Gardner certainly has the personality for it Makai Becton has the size He has the gigantic man attraction thing going on That you could throw him right in there it's six foot seven, three 370 pounds And he could be an instant sensation But I don't know if his knees would hold up That's the problem With the current Jets I would say that if I had to pick anybody to go into pro wrestling Believe it or not It would be the head coach Robert Sala I think he's got the look for it. He can talk, the intensity. I think he would be awesome as a pro wrestler. I know he's a little bit old to be getting started. He's in his early 40s. But I think he would be really, really good in pro wrestling. So Darius Leonard, non-jet, current jet, I'll go with Robert Sala. I,
4: I, I, I mean, Gronk doesn't count because he kind of did it already and he's mm-hmm. kind of retired right now. But um, what about like Aaron Donald, just to, like, sure. the pure strength and size alone? um doesn't have the real personality but he could be just like your kind of silent assassin um you see glimpses of a personality and like his his just edge that he has come out every once in a while and i have a sleeper on the jets like again personality wise and also the size the lack of size and he might be interesting because he's like a goofy guy Like what about braxton berrios like he would be almost like a little sideshow because he is so small but he's like scrappy he's quick like you know, I can picture him, like, just bouncing off the ropes, you know, trying to ch- – like, a let's say he is the wrestling Aaron Donald or Becton, right? You know, like, a, a match of Becton and Berrios would be hilarious because you would just have Berrios, like, bouncing off the ropes, like, trying to catch him or something. It would just be fun to watch, entertaining, and, and Berrios is kind of goofy, so he might have that, like, personality that draws you to him. So that kind of, like, out of left field because, you know, when you think of wrestling, you think of big guys and – you know, big personalities and whatnot. Like, Barrios is a guy who's, like, goofy and fast and small. It's kind of like Tom and Jerry. You know, he would be like the Jerry in the ring trying to catch him.
3: I like that. I think Braxton Barrios would be a fun one. Plus, he certainly has the look for it. He has charisma. Zach Wilson would be (coughs) interesting, too. He could do the aw shucks white meat baby face routine.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking of him or Mike White because White is a little, like you know quiet but like apparently in the behind the scenes he's like very funny and most of the guys like him so he was he was a guy I thought of too and if we're
3: talking about x jets bart scott perfect for pro wrestling what about
4: jamal adams who's a character in his own
3: Yeah Jamal Adams would have been too Although I have a feeling that he would have given the promoters Some trouble with paydays And things like that but yeah He definitely would (laughs) would have have been been.
4: the nemesis that everybody hated To watch
3: yeah he would have been a great Heel no question about it He Certainly could have gotten over as a big time heel The funny thing would have been he'd be getting mad That people were booing him (laughs) and it would make Him even better as a bad Guy the more that he got madder At people for booing him so Kind of a weird paradox there but I think it Would have worked out next question comes. In from Mark D, he says, I think if Jason Pinnock gets a starting spot as a safety, he could make an impact this season. Do you think Pinnock and Whitehead would be a good safety pairing? Not really a big believer in Pinnock, to be honest with you. My friend Joe Blewett did a really good breakdown of Pinnock's end of the year that everybody was praising so much over at Jets X Factor. And a lot of it was kind of a mirage. I'm not saying he can't be decent safety depth, but I think people have gotten a little crazy with how well he supposedly played at the end of the season. I'm willing to give him a chance because they don't really have anybody else. Whitehead's a strong safety. They need somebody to step up and play free safety. And LaMarcus Joyner is a good player, but he's coming off a bad injury. He's 31 years old. How much does he have left? How reliable is Ashton Davis so far? Not reliable at all. So him and Whitehead, maybe it could be a decent safety pairing, but I'm not so sure that Pinnock is going to be winning a starting job here.
4: Yeah, I agree. I think it's just, I don't think we could say we don't know enough to say yes or no, right? Like he's a super raw prospect who's drafted as a corner. They gave him a shot as a safety and he played. Like I won't say he played well or he played bad, he played. Um, and they're giving him first team reps, so most of that is because davis and and joiner are go- going through injuries but they thought enough of him to give him a chance so they're seeing something that maybe we're not so we at least give him the benefit of the doubt here like he's got some raw athleticism and um some skill set that you like but i don't think he'll be a starter day one but hey i mean if he can provide you with depth and some special teams like it's worth it you know you drafted him late in the in a draft where you had a ton of picks anyway. So it wasn't like a guy who you were truly counting on. Um, But maybe he surprises and does like you like the size. Like that's, that's a, that's for sure. Um, But I just don't like, I think they know Joyner is going to be the guy who's starting. And they have, like you mentioned Davis as a guy, like if Joyner gets banged up or that can play, you know, do different things and specialize in certain things that they, they play them there. But that's the one position on the defense that and linebacker opposite Mosley Is definitely the two weak spots and look, you can't fix it all in one year, you know, so it's going to be, you know, they're going to try some guys out here. They're going to have some flyer guys. um, So we'll see, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, like you just, like you said, I wouldn't kind of hang my hat and, you know, pencil him in as a starter or definitely like an impact guy.
3: Next question comes in from Mike Orgelic. He says, what do you think about Mims having an awesome camp in preseason and Wilson having a slow start? What would the team then do with Mims? Would he earn a starting job? Would he get traded? Would he still be behind Wilson? How do you see this playing out? It's an interesting scenario. I think ultimately they're going to go with whoever does the best at training camp. So if Denzel Mims just straight up kills it at training camp and in the preseason, he'll earn himself a lot more playing time. Now, there is also the possibility that you mentioned that he could get traded. Like he could just tear it up and the Jets decide, let's sell high. And then they decide that now is the time to strike in that regard. But if Mims really crushes it and becomes the receiver that we were all hoping he would be, He's going to have a chance, I don't know about starting, but certainly to play a lot if the Jets hold on to him and don't trade him. As far as Wilson getting off to a slow start... I don't think they're just going to hand him anything. If he struggles in training camp and he struggles in the preseason, maybe they think that it's a situation where he needs more time to learn the playbook and they bring him along slowly. We saw that with Mims last year where he was sick. He missed time with an injury. He had the food poisoning. He wasn't learning the playbook as quickly as they hoped. So they brought him along slower. Unfortunately, once he got his opportunity, he got called for penalties and couldn't catch anything. But I don't think they're necessarily going to be in a huge rush with Garrett Wilson, especially if, as you said, Mims exceeds all these expectations. They would love Garrett Wilson to come in, start right away, and kick butt, but they're not going to force him in there if he's lagging behind.
4: Yeah, I don't think we have to worry about uh, Wilson coming in and, and you know struggling with his health and struggling with staying in shape and picking up the playbook. I think... what we worried about with Mims or what we saw happen with Mims is a Mims thing. It's not a, well, this is going to happen to Wilson. I think if he's the exact opposite there, I think he's, I know he's in great shape. I know they're thrilled with how he's picking up the playbook. I know they're thrilled with how he's performing so far in the off season. So I wouldn't, and if you even just listen to LaFleur, he didn't even mention Mims' name when they were talking about, he talked, remember he talked about like building a a basketball roster, you know, filling out a basketball roster for your receiver Step chart, he mentioned the four guys. If, if you don't see a lot of Wilson, because for whatever reason, he's struggling to kind of take the next step to be ready to play in his rookie year, then you're just going to see a lot more Berrios. It'll be Corey Davis, Berrios, and Elijah Moore. So unfortunately, I know we're holding out for this, you know, breakout year for, for Mims. And look, I would be the, I'm the biggest Mims, you know, apologist there is. I loved him. I, I wanted to see him all year and I was wrong. Like hundred percent wrong. LaFleur knew you know, he just wasn't good enough to be there. He wasn't prepared. He wasn't in shape. He wasn't healthy. Uh, didn't deserve it. And we saw it when he when he, he got his opportunity, and he played a lot, and he did nothing. So, um, yeah, you could say he maybe he missed him amount of time and COVID this and, you know, uh, stomach flu that. He just wasn't good enough to play last year, and it showed every week. So I, I still think that they're going to try and talk him up try and make him look good in camp, and they're going to try and trade him. So I, I just don't think that they view him as a piece going forward. They have their guys, um, you know, at least for the next two years. You know, maybe Corey Davis, is, if he doesn't show that he's healthy and performs, they can get out of that contract, and then maybe that's a different story. But, you know, they have more. they have Wilson, they have Berrios, and they have Davis. So I think they see more value in, you know, moving him and getting something back. And then playing a guy who, you know, like Jeff Smith would be the emergency guy or just your depth. Um, and then see what some of these undrafted guys have just because I just don't think <clears throat> there, there's just a disconnect between Mims and the organization, unfortunately. And, and unless he just has this like magical summer where he puts it all together and it could happen and I hope it happens. Realistically, I just don't think it
3: happens. Next question comes in from Aaron Cherian. He says, love to hear LaFleur being mentioned as a potential head coach candidate at the end of the season. It would mean that Zach Wilson has greatly improved, similar to hearing chatter about Brian Dable getting head coaching jobs after Josh Allen took a leap. If the Jets were to lose Mike LaFleur, who do you think would be next in the pecking order to become the offensive coordinator? I don't know that there's any natural successor, but I really hope it would be Ron Middleton because he's awesome.
4: It'll be Calabrese, the, the quarterback coach slash you know offensive assistant. So that that's who I think they're groomed to be the next guy in line. Um, and yeah, I mean you're 100 percent right about Lafleur. If if he is in line to be the next you know head a co- next head coach somewhere, that means he developed Zach and and the Jets are in good hands. Um, selfishly, I would hope. He gives us at least another year, you know, even just to polish himself, like, like Dayball did, really. I know he took interviews last year, but he gave him, you know, he, he took another year in with Alan, and Alan's better off, and he's probably better off. So, selfishly, um, I'd love for LaFleur to, to really kind of show out this year, say, Hey, let me wait another year, show I could do it again, and then maybe there's a better opportunity the next year. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's Rob Calabrese, like they, they like Salas on the record has said it, um, like they, he's really excited about him.
3: I had never heard him say that Calabrese was next in line, but I guess just reading between the lines with Salah being excited about Rob Calabrese makes sense, especially since quarterback coach to offensive coordinator seems like a natural transition, Next question comes in from Dylan Lashway. He says, are there any guys on the roster that the Jets could potentially trade for next year's draft picks other than the obvious Denzel Mims? I'm sure there are because, look, if they could get something for Blake Cashman and Chris Herndon, they could get something for pretty much anybody on this roster. If they really wanted to trade Bryce Hall, they certainly could do that, but I would prefer that they don't. They really need the depth there at cornerback. They could probably get a pick for somebody like Bryce Huff if they wanted to, maybe a late-round pick. I'd have to really sit down and think about who the veterans are that they could dangle to get a pick for but I would say that it's certainly within the realm of possibility that they could make a move like that. Because again, if Joe Douglas could get a pick for Blake Cashman, there's no limit to what he could pull off.
4: Yeah, definitely. And you look at like the positions where we were just talking about the depth, uh, D line. Like you mentioned, Huffs, maybe Vinny Curry if he has a good summer, and um, you know the Jets are you know has some have some roster decisions to make, and he's the you know the, the guy on the outs. Um, So you look there, you look, what about Mike White? Like, I know I mentioned him a few Mm -hmm. times. Like, what if he has a great – because he's going to get most of the reps in in preseason. What if he has a great preseason, there's Mm -hmm. an injury or a team without a backup, and the Jets say, yeah, here's Mike White for a fifth or sixth-round pick. You know, maybe he's a guy you can get something for. So um, Hall's a good one. You know, like, again, I I agree with you. I'd rather keep him for depth. He's young. He's proved he can at least play in the league. Um, So I would prefer to keep him. So probably – you know, one of the uh, defensive linemen who are, like, on the roster bubble that might, you know, just miss it because of the sheer numbers that the Jets have. So Solomon Thomas, although he's probably going to make the team. Uh, Sheldon Rankins possibly. He's only due $5 million. if he has a good summer. And maybe a team who's looking for interior D-line help can, can add him, you know, because he's not on the hook for, for anything longer than a year. Um, and I think the Jets have paid some of that guarantee already, so it wouldn't be, like, a big you know, money hit this late into the year. So it's it really just look at positions where the Jets have depth um, and some veterans on the roster bubble.
3: That's going to wrap up part three of the July 4th weekend mega mailbag. Visit playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel to check out everything we're doing over there. The Thunder from down under Luke Grant has got some great All-22 breakdowns of all the Jets draft picks. Plus, he just did a review of Zach Wilson's Improvement After he came back from injury last year, watch all the videos and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tee We've got the John Franklin Myers Quinn and Williams Bless You Thank You shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. tpublic.com. That's tee And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcast and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through
2: music perfect